This is Meet the Problem Solvers. I'm Judy Perlman. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And tonight we have a really interesting conversation with our official youngest guest ever. Emmy Jacobson is 14 years old. She's a Cambridge resident. She goes to the Windsor School. And she is here today to talk with us about something really important, the climate strikes, the climate strike movement, and all about young people organizing for their future as well as ours. So, Emmy, welcome very much. Thank you. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Um, actually, there's something really big happening this yeah. Friday. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, this Friday is going to be the one of the first climate strikes. So we had one in September, but now we're having one now on December 6th on Friday. We're going to meet in Copley Square at 10.30, and everyone is welcome. It's not just teenagers. Anybody who supports the cause and is willing to take a day off work or anything to just come and show their support for the cause. So for people who are watching, here's some information about how to learn more about the climate strike on Friday, December 6th. Do you want to read out our Instagram? Yes, so our handle is climatestrikema. And follow us on that, or you can just check out our site, climatestrikema on Instagram. And yeah, we have all of the information there. So there we have it. Okay, so the climate strike, so we, I know what both of those words mean, but why don't you put us in the picture a little bit? What is a climate strike? What are you doing it for? Where does it take us? Well, the main purpose of the climate strike is to bring awareness to the cause. We need to get our legislators involved. We need to make sure that they know that we need change now. So we're getting together as many people as possible. Last time we had thousands and thousands of people coming to first gather at Coffee Square and then march to City Hall to really show legislators that we mean business and that we need change now. That's great. So, and it's, as far as we've been talking, this is an, an entity, an, an initiative that is all organized by mm -hmm. people around your age or a little bit older, yeah. all teenagers. Yeah, it's all teenagers, which is really, really great. I'm 14, but we range from like 14 to 19, but we're mostly high schoolers. Uh-huh. So, okay, so... On this show, we usually end up talking about, start, start out talking about the problem. Emmy, what is the problem that you are addressing here? Well, the main problem is climate change. The world is warming really quickly. It's warmed much faster than ever before, much faster than any of the ice ages or anything like that. And it's going to keep warming if we don't stop it. Um, we need to keep the warming to another 1.5 degrees Celsius or horrible things will happen. Hurricanes, flooding, all that will happen if we don't limit our um, temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And so what is it that's contributing to all of that warming? Well, the main thing, the main problem that's contributing to global warming right now is fossil fuels. We have so much coal emissions, so much fossil fuel emissions, like oil, natural gas. 82% of the world's emissions, are, of the world's uh, intake in energy, is fossil fuels, and only 10% is renewable energy. So what you're saying is we extract these things, we burn them, that creates energy, but in the course of that, it also really warms the earth. And it has, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's the big problem. Mm -hmm. And um, as we were talking about before the show, there's a lot of, there are a lot of... Um, um, pathways in the federal government and elsewhere that kind of 
got laid down a long time ago to support fossil fuel yeah, extraction exactly. industries, and it's been pretty hard to, dis to disrupt that. So put us in that picture a little bit, if well, you don't mind. The main problem that's keeping fossil fuels, that's making them have such a big place in our society, is the government is giving them subsidies. So right now, fossil fuel companies are getting paid four times the amount of as renewable energy companies to create their energy. And the thing about that is, fossil fuels are getting more expensive and renewable energy is getting cheaper. So renewable energy, a couple of years ago, used to be much more expensive than fossil fuels. But now, it's as cheap or cheaper, and it's getting cheaper every day. So the problem isn't that it's financially not viable to move to renewable energy. The problem is that the government is helping out fossil fuel companies so much because of corruption in the government. So let's talk about those renewables for a minute. We'll come back to government mm -hmm. corruption. Don't worry, that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty hot topic. What are the renewable um, sources that you, are, you guys are focusing on? Well, the two main ones are solar panels and wind turbines. So solar panels can be either installed on people's houses or wherever there's a lot of sun. It's cheaper to install it in big sunny places, and that will actually be cheaper than fossil fuels. And same with wind and energy. Wind turbines can generate so much energy for such a cheap price, and they're getting cheaper every day. So those are the main two places we can get renewable energy. Yeah, okay. So the renewables are out there for, for all kinds of reasons. Economically, the cost of, of using them, installing them, and then using them is falling really quickly. Yeah. So you guys are really hoping to leverage that change. Mm -hmm. That's great, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about other parts of the problem of climate change. You have introduced me to a term, climate justice. Yeah. Can you take us through that a little bit? Well, climate justice is one of the most important things we have to think about now. So climate change, it'll affect all of us eventually. But right now, the people who are getting the most affected by climate change are the impoverished people, the people in lower-income communities, people of color. Because right now, they're the ones who are the most vulnerable. When a heat wave comes, they're the ones who are going to get hit the hardest. And also, they're the ones who have almost nothing to defend against it. When a flood comes, they don't have insurance, they don't have anywhere else they can move. So they're the ones that we really need to worry about now. And we need to make sure that they have enough options to keep safe in these times. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been working on this, these kinds of issues for some time, and I dug back into some historical stuff I've looked at. But in today's New York Times, there was a really stunning story that I thought we thought we should bring out to y'all, which is that in Los Angeles, they have done an overlay of um, public transit routes and the most exposed or unshaded areas. And not that surprisingly, areas where people of color and, and lower income communities have many fewer areas of shade in bus stops and many fewer trees. So the city, and, and so the city is really understanding that um, whatever other income disparities there are there, um, there is also a big disparity in people who have access to air conditioning in their cars, air conditioning in their houses, and trees in their area versus people who are standing at bus stops waiting in the blazing heat. And um, 
there was a, I, I read the story, I didn't note down this um, statistic, but the number of days that are, that are going to be at 95 degrees or higher is like rising exponentially year over year. So it's really a big problem. Yeah, it is. It's really a big problem. Another place that we have seen what you were talking about before, Emmy, is in cities like Houston and New Orleans that were, have been so hard hit by hurricanes. Mm -hmm. So the flooding um, has swept away all this housing that was occupied. You know, it was not great quality housing, but it was housing that nonetheless people were living in. And when that housing is swept away, there is no private sector that is gonna come in and rebuild a bunch of kind of low cost housing. It's not feasible for the private market. It's pretty limited in terms of public investment. There are crazy things like families will pass down a piece of property over generations, and there's not really a deed. But in order to get those public funds, you have to have a deed. So, I mean, New Orleans is just completely transformed since Rita and Hurricane hit in 2005. I mean, it's such a whiter city. It's such a more touristy, high-end city. It was the site of the oldest public hospital in the country. That was damaged beyond repair, and they didn't replace it. It was like, well, and almost 100,000 African Americans have left New Orleans since then. So I guess at one level you could say that's where the public hospital users went. They've left. But th th what you're saying is right. There's a really powerful, disparate impact. It's really a bad thing. So this is Meet the Problem Solvers. I'm Judy Perlman. This is Emmy Jacobson, who's come to talk with us from her organizing role with the climate strike. There's a climate strike event happening this Friday, December 6th. Uh, if you want to be there, be there or be square. It's at Copley Square at 1030 in the morning. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, climate justice. But we're also going to talk now about the Green New Deal. And I'm going to tell you something honestly, Emmy. There are a bunch of people who are listening or watching this who aren't that familiar with the Green New Deal because who can keep track of everything? So can you take us through the main elements of it? Thank you. Yeah, so before I got into this, I had no idea what the Green New Deal was. I had heard it on the radio and uh, on the news, but I didn't really know what it was. So what it is, it's a resolution or goal proposed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Sedona Ed, Ed Markey, both amazing politicians, who want to move America away from fossil fuels in 10 years. So it's a 10-year plan to move America away from fossil fuels, to create renewable energy jobs, and to rethink how we think about the energy system. Part of what is in there is also a whole um, strand of looking at transportation. Yeah. Is that right? Can you tell us a yeah. little bit more about that? So public transportation is so much better for the environment than um, taking cars. Taking buses or trains will help the environment so much. It will help reduce um, fossil fuels by reducing the amount of energy used. It's just great. But the thing is, the federal government is not investing that much into public transportation. You can see the T here doesn't really work very well, which is a problem. That means people don't use it, and that means that more fossil fuels are being released into the environment. So part of that is just to give more federal funding to things that will help stop climate change, like the tea, renewable energy sources, things like that. 
Okay, so the Green New Deal is a federal level thing. Mm -hmm. um, and what are we doing here in Massachusetts? What are we focused on in Massachusetts? Well, right now, one of the things that we're focused on via the climate strike, that's one way to get it passed, is an MA Green New Deal. We need our senators, like Senator Ed Markey and other people, um, to make an MA Green New Deal. It's kind of like the Green New Deal, but instead of having the entire country switch, which but the politicians haven't approved yet. We're just having some things happen in Massachusetts. We want Massachusetts to completely be weaned off fossil fuels soon because then we can set an example for the other states and we can be better, better for the environment by doing that. So we need our city councilors, we need our town councilors, we need our state representatives to propose an MA Green New Deal to actually make change. Well, we have a great, um, what's it called, district attorney? No, attorney general, Mara mm. Healy, who's all over stuff like this. Yeah, so I'm great. sure she's, she's right there mm. with you. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about you. Because here you sit, 14 years old. There are an awful lot of 14-year-olds who are not working as tirelessly as you are. <laughs> so let's tell, tell us a little bit about why you're here, how you came here. Well, when I first got into the climate strike, was in the December 20th, September 20th one. I went there with some kids of my school and it was just a life-changing experience. Tens of thousands of people showed up there and I saw all the teenagers, all the adults, all the elderly people come together under one cause and I saw that if we all work together, we can actually make a change. So then after the climate strike, I started planning the next one. I went to a meeting with the rest of the team and I got put on the media division, which means that I can like, go on TV shows like this, I can write op-eds, and I can spread the word about the climate strike. And Emmy was telling me in a, with some pride that she was texting back and forth <laughs> or emailing with Ed Markey. Right? Yeah, that was really cool. It's so weird that like, citizens can actually communicate with public officials. But that's not how it should be. We should all be able to communicate with our officials. And we can. Like, I'm only 14, but yet I was able to get um, a video from Ed Markey just the other day. That is very, very cool. That's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. um, so, so tell us a little bit more about the organizing group and, and where, who, who's part of this? Is this who, yeah. who's, who's in the leadership here? Well, we're centered in Boston. We meet every week or so, and then also with a lot of video, video calls. And... It's all teenagers. We have, um, well, we have an 11 year old actually. We have uh, people from all over the age range. But it's all people under the age of 20 trying to make a change. So we meet in various places on Boston. And we are split into teams like the media team and the logistics team. And we all work together to get stuff done. We, we spend a lot of time on this. We communicate every day. And it's a lot of work, but it's really great seeing that I can actually make a change in our community. So do you think you're going to stay involved after December 6th? Well, of course. Yeah. This isn't, my ideal job isn't a politician or anything of that sort. But I know that even if I don't do this as a job, we all need to band together to make a change here. If only a couple of us, um, like me and a couple of other teenagers, work on this, We'll get somewhere, but we won't get very far. We need everyone to come together. 
it doesn't matter if it's your job or not. I want my future to have involvement in the climate crisis, not because I want that to be my job, but because I know that I need to keep doing this to save our generation. Yeah, it's, it's kind of true. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think people my age and older can feel kind of despairing. Yeah. I mean, and we'll circle back. We talked about government corruption. I think there's something about government corruption, but there's also um, just, it's not really complacency so much as like, oh, what could we even do? How can we even do this? Those subsidies are going to those oil producers, the subsidies, you know, to coal companies. It, you know, how can we break those, some of those, you know, 100-year-old connections between government and fossil fuel producers, it can be very dispiriting. Yeah, so I think you guys are just like, we're not mm -hmm. going to be, we're not, we're not interested in that. Because with fossil fuels, it can be so gigantic trying to make a change because they have so much influence in our government. They pay off a lot of our officials because they just have so much money that they can do pretty much whatever they want. The good thing is that'll change soon. Fossil fuels are, will soon be much more expensive than renewable energy. And the only thing keeping them in power is the laws that will help them. So we need to get rid of those laws now to get ourselves completely out of fossil fuels. So kind of equalize the playing field. Exactly. And then the cheaper, actual, the actual lower costs yeah. will kind of surface those technologies. And, and, yeah. and I also understand that a big part of the Green New Deal, as I read it, um, was really about sort of an economic and job creation mm -hmm. strategy. So it's, it, it's very intentional mm -hmm. in that way. So we've had some of, our, some of our politicians talk about the Green New Deal that'll take away our ice cream and stuff like that, which is not true. The, the goal of the Green New Deal is not to get rid of jobs. It's to create jobs with renewable energy. And we know that we can do that. Renewable energy doesn't have fewer jobs or, or worse jobs than fossil fuels. It's actually better because, one, it's cheaper and more sustainable in the long run. And also, the Green New Deal wants to make jobs safer for all and make more of them for all. Okay. so. Uh, this is Meet the Problem Solvers. This is Emmy Jacobson. She's here to talk about climate strikes, and she's one of the uh, youthful organizers of the climate strike that's coming up on December 6th. Actually, let's just put that visual up there again, just so people, if wanna, they want to get the Instagram, what's it yeah. called? Instagram handle. There we go. So follow see? or just look at our page, at Climate Strike MA. You can look that up on Instagram to see more. And come to our rally on on Friday at 10.30 a.m. in Copley Square. In Copley Square. Okay, so the other thing that we really then really wanted to pivot to and talk about was, so, okay, you've laid out a pretty clear case about the need to uh, work for climate justice and slow and stop climate change. Yeah. You've made a pretty good case about what are some of the larger aspirational ways to do that. But when it comes down to you and me, people, I was going to say voters, but you're 14. Yeah. You are not a voter. Four years. <laughs> but what is it that you recommend or that you, you really think people, um, as they are also struggling to figure out how to have mm -hmm. an impact, what are some of the things we should be putting our minds to and our, our bodies and our mm -hmm. energies towards? That's a great question. Because a lot of people think that the only way to stop climate change is to use less paper or not use plastic straws, stuff like that. And that's all great. If you don't use plastic straws, that's, that'll help the environment. But it's not enough. 
The main problem here isn't trash, although that's a big thing. It's fossil fuels. And one of the only ways to fix that is to go to your representatives, or even just vote. Many, many people who support climate change measures don't actually go and vote. And if they did, we would have officials who would actually get stuff done. Although we'd have some great officials now, we know that not much change is actually happening. So we know that we need to get everyone voting, voting for the presidential candidates, for the local candidates, the town candidates, um, people of all ranks to make sure that we have climate change laws that will help us. Then also calling legislators. Your legislators have office hours. You can go to their office and call them and they have to listen to you. Because the important thing is they work for you. We elected them so they have to listen to us. So if you go to a city hall meeting or a town meeting and or call your official, they have to listen to you and they have to take you seriously. At some level, we can make our, our public officials accountable. We can say, where do you stand on this? Here's a piece of legislation that's going to be coming up in our city or in our state. Where do you stand and are you mm -hmm. going to commit yourself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's really part of it. It's, mm -hmm. it's getting them accountable, getting them educated. I mean, you, you can't... Um, you, you have to bring people along, just mm -hmm. as you brought me along and brought listeners along. There's a lot to learn and there's a lot to get, uh, you know, get a handle on. And at that point, then it's like, okay, now we hold ourselves accountable to vote. We hold ourselves accountable to go in and talk with our legislators. And we hold our legislators accountable to say, yes, we're going to prioritize this. Yeah, and that's one of the goals of the climate strike. The climate strike, it's interesting because a lot of, because a lot of people think that the kids are only going to skip school. But the actual thing is, we don't want to skip school, or a lot of us don't, because we have to catch up on work and all that. What we need to do is we need to make our officials know that we mean business. We need to let them know that they, a lot of them are not doing the right thing, that we need change now. So that's why I'm going to the climate strike, and that's why you should go too. Everybody should go. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the things that you talked about was the struggle you've you've had with your school a little yeah. bit. That they're they sort of talk the talk. That mm -hmm. they want to be supportive yeah, exactly. of um, student activism, mm -hmm. and yet they haven't found their way to. Yeah. So a big problem is that even though schools, a lot of schools are accepting of people going, they still have some like you can't go to after school programs or stuff like that. So what we really need to do is make all schools, all people supportive of this because we're, we're banding together, together not, not to skip school, but to make sure the legislators know what we want to happen. So we need people to come to the strike. We need people to be supportive of others going to the strike. If you have kids and, and they want to go, let them go because them showing up at a monumental, life-changing event will be much more important than them seeing a day at school. Right. I mean, it changed your life. Yeah, and it here did. you are. You're an activist. That's right. I hope so. That's right. Well, you are. Yeah, here you are. Like, yes, I will come on and talk on TV and on a podcast about this. Um, there's also, it's also possible if people don't feel that, that sort of getting out there is the thing, sometimes mm -hmm. people can donate, right? Yeah. How, so, how would people support the strike with financial support? Well, there are a couple of ways. On the Instagram page, at Climate Strike MA, there's a donation link, so you can donate there. Also, if you show up on Friday at the climate strike, you can donate coats and other products to people in need. 
which will be really great. Even if you can't save the whole time, just showing up there, lending a face, not lending a face, but showing up, <laughs> um, giving me a coat, or anything like that, every single person can make a change. And spreading word among people in your community, that's another really big thing. A lot of people just don't know enough about this. So, so tell your friends and family to go to the strike on Friday. Is this going to be a strike that's happening in other cities and other, even other nations, do you mm -hmm. know? Well the, summer, well, the September 20th one was. Yeah. And we're hoping that a lot of other people will join in too. But um, for right now, this is a local one, but I think other states are also going to be involved. Okay, so you're not, you're not doing sort of the national networking in the, quite mm -hmm. the same way. But I think other cities and other towns are still working on this with yeah, us. Yes, that's great. That's great. Okay, so we can spread the word. We can donate. We can show up. We can ask our local officials. You know, we have a couple of minutes left. I, I, I wanted to say there's a really interesting question that came up about sort of prioritizing issues. Yeah. Like there are single issue voters, like we say, we've heard that, you know, Second Amendment gun rights people, mm -hmm. that is their top issue. That's where they live. That's where they're going to always live. Yeah. Do you, how do you sense among your ranks, not that many of you are voters, but <laughs> yeah. tell us about sort of the single issue versus, yeah, this is an important mm -hmm. one. Well, the climate change issue, it's one of the biggest I can think of. Because this one, well, if we don't act now, this will destroy the lives of both my generation and my generation's children, but also my generation completely. If we don't act now, many people will get hurt. So we really need to make change now. Um, we need to elect officials that have this as one of their most important things. So mm -hmm. for the people running for presidency, there are a lot of Democratic candidates that support climate change, but this isn't one of their biggest issues. So look for candidates that will actually support climate change to their fullest. And ask them. Yeah. Ask them where they stand and ask exactly. them what they're going to do. Get yeah. yourself educated on what this means. Right. Get yourself active, educated and don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah, exactly. So. Once again, this is Meet the Problem Solvers. We hope that you are enjoying what you're listening to and what you're watching. We hope that you are visiting us on Facebook where every week we put up some stuff in advance of the show to try to foster conversation. Um, please visit us. We now have a website. It's meettheproblemsolvers.com. And when you go there, you can see previous video episodes and also listen to podcasts. And all of the earlier ones are listed there. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to bring some really interesting people out, and I would have to say, Emmy, this has been really cool. Thank you. I did not know what it was going to be like to have a 14-year-old come on. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> You've surprised me and impressed me, and um, I think you're a great spokesperson for your movement. Thank you. Uh, I really hope so.